0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word.
1: Receive Him, find fulfillment, find that satisfaction in a relationship with Him today. Again, in heaven He says, look, I'm, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to give of the fountain of the water of life freely to Him who thirst. I want you to note that word freely. God never charges for what He offers. You don't have to pay for you 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 can't buy what god is offering god's i offer it freely it's offered freely there and it's offered freely now all those who will receive it can come and receive it from the lord
0: have you ever had an achy back a stuffy nose or any type of illness of course you have we all have what if i told you that on the other side of this earth we get to look forward to never having to deal with any kind of illness again In today's message, Pastor Bill is going to be talking about all things new. New bodies, new places, new happiness. You see, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are guaranteed a brand new heaven and earth that is given to us completely for free. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation, chapter 21, as he continues his message, All Things New.
1: Another verse I'd like you to write down is 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 17 and 18. And in this section, you know, Paul had been exhorting believers to to watch who you fellowship with. Be careful who you're hooked up with. Earlier in the verses, he said don't be unequally yoked together with non-believers. Be careful who you're you're yoked up in fellowship with because that can impact your relationship with God. And he says his reason why in 2 Corinthians 6:17 and 18, he says therefore Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God almighty. And this is something that encourages me. And I love this about the Lord. Everything that I'm reading in scripture is God saying, I want you. Right. I want to be with you. I think sometimes the world gets the impression that God doesn't want us. That we're bad, that we mess up, that God wants to punish us. God wants people to go to hell. God wants people to be, he wants them to be penalized for their wrong. But as you read scripture, I, you get a different impression. Amen? I get the impression when I read scripture that God is saying, no, I, I want you. Right? I, I know you're flawed. I know you're messed up, but I want you. I know you have sinned, but I want to forgive your sins and, and receive you to myself and come out from those relationships so you can be in one with me, you know, repent of those sins and be cleansed by me. God is said, look, I want you. No questions. We are desired by the Lord. He doesn't desire that anybody be pushed away. He doesn't want anybody to be, he doesn't want anyone to be rejected. In order for you to be rejected by God, you got to reject him. Y'all know that? God doesn't turn anybody away that says, Lord, I want you. Romans ten thirteen. he says that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All. Anybody that says, Lord, I want you. Jesus says you can have Anybody so that means the door is open for all who will. Anybody who will come, they can come to the Lord. Moving on now, verse four, it says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. And I think this is an amazing promise for us to look forward to for ourselves. Some of us might rejoice in these words, for loved ones that have gone and they've gone before us to be with the Lord. A couple things. God says he's going to wipe away every tear. Not that there are going to be tears in heaven that we're going to be there crying. God says, look, there's not going to be any tears. I'm wiping all that away. You won't be sad in heaven. You're not going to be in heaven crying. He said there's not going to be no more death. So I think one of the biggest challenges on earth is death. People die and it's painful. When people leave us, it's painful. We cry, we weep, we mourn. Even Jesus wept when Lazarus died. Even though Jesus knew he would be resurrected, he wept because death is painful. Death was never God's original intent, right? Death came as a result of sin. And so when people die, it's difficult, it's painful. But God says, eventually, when we get to this place, right, when we get to heaven, we get to be with the Lord, when all things have been made new, he says, death will never happen again. When we're with the Lord in heaven, we're never gonna have a time again where, Someone's going to be gone. No one, no one that you get to heaven with. You know, there's going to be no funerals in heaven. You're not going to be like, hey, man, where, 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 did, where, did, where did such and such go? You know, like there, there, it won't be. We'll never experience that pain, that sorrow, that difficulty again. There'll be no tears. There'll be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There should be no more pain. It says for the former things have passed away. I think of those that are living with pain or whatever that are going through, you know, things in their body and they're going through pain and struggle. And and then they go be with the Lord and God says no more pain. Never again. Never experience pain, hurt, discomfort, mourning, crying. All of those things are are wiped away. These are part of the hope that we have. These are part of what we have to look forward to as believers And I consider this, I realize that one of the schemes and tricks of the devil is sometimes for non-believers, those that are not yet in relationship with the Lord, when they're overwhelmed with grief and sadness, and there are people that in their overwhelmed state of grief and sadness, consider taking their life, consider not wanting to be here. Here's the, I think, the devastating part of that, right? If they would just come to Christ, there's a hope that one day this will all be done and we will be in a place with no pain, no sorrow. If Satan can trick a non-believer into taking their life, right, he's he's taking them from bad on earth to worse in eternity. And so I, I I hate to see suicide. I hate to see people depressed to that point where they're considering that, particularly when they don't yet know the Lord. And there's that level of despair. And so one of the reasons why we want to be sharing Christ, you know, if you know, people that struggle with that. Uh, we want to pray for them. We want to share Christ with them. You want them to have the hope of heaven. There's a hope that's available in God that's not available anywhere else. And we want we want to have it. We want other people to to know this hope. Now, verse five, it says, then he who sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, right for these words are faithful and true. And so here God made, he made all things new. This isn't a renovation of the old earth. Again, this is a brand new, he made this out of nothing. You know, when there's two different Hebrew words for creating, the one that, you know, God creates when it's something from nothing is bara. God is able to take nothing and just speak and make something amazing. That's what God is able to do. And so um, I'm encouraged that the the new earth, we don't, we don't know everything that it's going to be about. Some of it's a surprise because God hasn't given us all the details. We just know it's going to be new. We know he's been working on it for some time. We know the state of being when we're there, there will be no sorrow, no pain, no suffering. And I'm just going to presume that because God is the one making it, that it's going to be an amazing place. The last part, after he says he makes all things new, he told John, write for these words are faithful and true. And I wonder if he had to, I wonder if John was in such amazement that he had to tell John, write, hey, stop, you know, Close your mouth. I don't know if John was standing with his mouth open just saying, whoa, you know, but God said, hey, hey, write that down. And that's that's, what I'm telling you is good. You know, write it down. So God had to to wake John up and say, hey, write, write this down because these words are faithful and true. Now, verse six, he says, and he said to me, it is done. And this is God speaking to John. He says, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. And so God is speaking here and he says, look, it's done. It's done. I've, I've, I've accomplished what I came to do. This is what God came to do. He came to save sinners. He came to restore us to relationship with himself. And as we as we're studying the book of Revelation, we're looking into the future. We're looking past the judgment of the great white throne into the new heavens and new earth that God said It's done. I did it. I did what I came to do. There, there's no more, there, sin is in its place. Satan is in its place. There's eternal separation from all those things. And now I have those that are my people are with me. He says, it is It is done. It is done. And then God said, look, I'm the beginning and the end. I'm the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And now he begins to make promises. He says, I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. And that's a huge statement because God knows that the thirst here is, is, is not thirsty for water, right? This is the same thirst that was spoken about in John 4. How many you guys remember the woman at the well in John 4, right? There was a woman. Jesus is at the well. The disciples went to go get lunch. Jesus ends up alone at the well with this woman, and she comes to draw water in the middle of the day, which was strange because you would normally come early in the morning or late in the evening. But this woman came in the middle of the day because she was an outcast in her society because she was a loose woman. And so she shows up midday when the sun is hot And Jesus looked at her and said Give me something to drink And she said well well, you know First of all what are you being a Jew Doing talking to me because the Jews Didn't talk to her type Samaritans And men Jewish men would not have spoken to her at all In public and Jesus is breaking all the Cultural norms what I love about that You guys is that I, I see that Jesus Does not observe rules amen He just meets needs and that frees me, right? I don't got to observe everybody's rules, everybody's standards. I'm not going to meet everybody's expectations, but I want to be useful to God to meet some spiritual needs. And so Jesus said, man, forget all the cultural norms and what's acceptable in the culture. This woman needs some help. And he said, give me something to drink. And she says, you know, she, she, they had this little conversation. Eventually Jesus says, look, if you would have asked me, I would have given you something to drink. You would have never thirsted again. And she said, give me that water. She thought Jesus had some special kind of, you know, some special water. Like, is it another well with some special water? And once you drink some Willy Wonka water, you know, once you drink this water, you'll never be thirsty again. And what Jesus is speaking about is this, right? There's a thirst that this woman had and she wasn't, it wasn't being met. And Jesus saw her need. I love this about God. She was trying to fulfill a need in her life with men. Jesus said, you know what? Go get your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, You're right. You've had five husbands, and the man that you're living with right now is not your husband. Now, note this: Jesus didn't say that to bring condemnation. Jesus wasn't saying, "Oh, you nasty, stanky woman! Look at what you're doing! I know your dirt." That's not what he was doing. He was pointing out to her: you're trying to get a need met, and it's it's not. It's a fifth, five husbands. Still, didn't, it's not. You still don't have it. Now you got a guy. Now it's still still coming up dry. You you need what I have. And he wasn't putting her down. He was trying to draw her in. He was saying, look, you tried that enough times and it's not working, is it? Would you Would you come here? I got something for you to drink. You will never thirst again. I, I want to meet that need in your life in a real way. You don't have to go find it in a man. You'll find it in me. That's what he's saying. And so as we're here, Jesus says, look, you'll never thirst again. If anybody here, I'm going to give you the fountain of life, the water of life, and you're going to freely drink and you're never going to thirst. There's not going to be anybody in heaven saying, you know, I'm unfulfilled. I need this. I want that. I'm thirsting for something. I'm I'm, you know, empty. I'm li-. that won't that won't exist in heaven. We will be fulfilled. Our deepest needs will be met as we're there with the Lord. But I would say this. Maybe you're here today and you're listening. Maybe you're watching this today. and You're listening. Maybe you're like that woman and you've been trying all these other wells and trying to get your needs met, and trying to trying to be fulfilled, and trying to be satisfied. And people can do it with relationships. We can do it with success, with jobs, with money, with things. And, and maybe you're at a point today where you realize none of those things have worked. Sometimes that's the best thing that can happen to you, is that you can achieve what you thought would satisfy you, realize that it didn't, because now you're in a better place to look for when you can find soul satisfaction. And there's a, there's a satisfaction and a, and a quenching of thirst that's only going to come through a relationship with Christ. I love that Greg Laurie says there's a, there's a God-shaped void in, in every one of us. And only God can fill that space. You can, you can try filling it with all sorts of other things, and you're going to come up short. There, there's a place in your life that's meant for God, and, and anything you put there other than God, you're going to come up unfulfilled. It's not going to meet all the needs. And so if there's someone watching, someone listening, someone here that would say, man, I I need, I need to receive Christ. We we invite you today. Let today be that day for you. Receive him, find fulfillment, find that satisfaction in a relationship with him today. Again, in heaven, he says, look, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. I want you to note that word freely. God never charges for what he offers. You don't have to pay for you. You you can't buy what God is offering. God says, I offer it freely. It's, It's offered freely there and it's offered freely now. All those who receive it can come and receive it from the Lord. Verse seven, he says, he who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. That could be sons or daughters. What does it mean to overcome? If you're a note taker, you can write down 1 John chapter 5, verse 5. First John chapter 5, verse 5. And, and I, I love this. What does it mean? How do I become an overcomer? Do I have to be strong? Do I have to be mighty? Do I got to beat up some demons? Do I got to have some spiritual wars and challenges? 1 John 5, 5 tells us what it is to be an overcomer. It says, who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. God says the way that you become an overcomer, the way that you're classified as overcomer is through again your faith in Jesus and your relationship with him that's how we overcome so uh, that encourages me right what if it said in order to be overcome you got to have victory over all your sins anybody here got victory over all your sins right if you raise your hand I'm going to tell you you don't have victory over pride and lying (laughs) because you don't right so nobody has victory over all their sins right so we still battling we're still at war we're still in the process of transformation but he says look If you believe that Jesus is Lord, you're an overcomer. You're an overcomer because through Christ, Christ makes you and me what we can never be in our own strength. He causes us to be overcomers. Amen. And so the last thing here, he takes us now from from all that God has done, all that God's making available to us and reminding us of, he says, we're going to inherit all things if we overcome. And again, he says, I'll be his God and he will be my people. But then he says in verse 8, there is a contrast. And I want everybody to look at verse 8 with me. It says, but, but is always a transitional word. So he says, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And so I want to I want to give this right because. While on the one end, God is saying, look, you can be an overcomer through a relationship with Jesus. If you just believe in Jesus and he's God and you let him be Lord of your life, you'll be an overcomer. You're going to be with me. I'm going to be with you. He says, but because there's some people that don't choose this. There's some people that are electing to live a different kind of life right now. God says, so you need to be aware, right? Whenever God gives us, you know, whenever God has given us prophecy about the future, we're being forewarned. God is letting us know this is what it's going to be like. And so he says, but the cowardly, right? There are some people that won't come to Christ because they're cowards. I've heard of people that they believe the gospel, but their family religion is a different religion. They're like, man, I don't want the drama that's going to come. I'm afraid of my family. I'm afraid of my dad. I'm afraid of what my mom will say. And so they don't come to Christ. The cowardly, the unbelieving, right? Those that just and, and when it says unbelieving here, it's not that you don't believe it's that you won't receive it. Right. There are people that have heard the gospel. They know it's true but they won't receive it. They won't surrender to it. Anybody here known that you, you knew something was true, but you just didn't want to receive it, right? There's some people that behave like that toward the gospel. I know in their heart of hearts, they know this is true, but they won't succumb. They won't yield. He says the unbelieving, the abominable, right? There are sins in the scripture that God says, these things are an abomination to me. Those that are living in abominations, those that are, they've taken things that are abominations to God and they just lived it as a lifestyle. God says, they're, they're not gonna be with me it says murderers those that are killing other people so we're we watch that in our society we watch people that are there are people that are literally murderers they they're not one time two times. they killing them folks God says, that's murderers not gonna make it If that's how you live and I hope there's no murderers here today If so get saved and cut it out before I tell my God on you <laughs> so then it says the sexually immoral we live in a sexually perverse society. There are things that are fine and okay in our society that are not okay with God, and so God said, "Those have decided that they're going to do their own thing. You're going to live a sexually immoral life. You're going to just do that." God said, That's the thing, "But you're not going to make it, right? You're not going to live that as a lifestyle, and then and then expect that you're going to have eternal life." Sorcerers. This can be used two ways, right? You know, some look at sorcerers and think of witchcraft immediately, but if you look it up, it's, it's the Greek word, the pharmakia which we see in Galatians, which where we get the word, you know, it, it, it speaks of illicit drugs. And so we live in a drug written culture. It could be marijuana. It could be crack. It could be, it could be prescription stuff. Those that are living under the influence of something else. God said, look, these are things that are not okay. These lifestyles are not okay. Idolaters. Idolatry is putting something before God, right? I love this more than I love God. I'm willing to, I'm willing to sin against God to have this thing. That's an idol, Anything that you'll sin against God to have is an idol. And God says, look, if you live a lifestyle, like as an idolater, God says, you won't inherit the kingdom. And then it says all liars. When I was doing youth ministry. A lot of kids at the children's ministry had some song and it was Revelation 21.8. And it was a it was a song about, you know, liars and, and, and burning and all kind of stuff. So no liars are going to have their, their part in the kingdom either. So if you're a liar. Right. That's how, everybody has told a lie before. Right. Raise your hand if you've ever told a lie. Everybody's told a lie, but some people are liars. I've interacted with people and they were just telling lies for conversation's sake. Like it wasn't even nothing to gain. I'm like, bro, you just lie to be lying. You lie like you talk, you know, like that's a terrible characteristic. You know why? Because Satan is the father of all lies. And so we don't want to get comfortable practicing something that God says, man, that's that is a characteristic of the the adversary of God. God is truth. We want to be people of truth. We want to be truth tellers. And so here's the deal, right? Did I read this list to you so you could feel bad? No. So you could be made aware. God says, look, if you want to know who's not going to make it, because after he reads this whole list, he says all the people that live this, not people that have stumbled into the sins, not people that have done the sin and repented of it, people that are living these sins as a lifestyle. He says, look, they shall have their part in the lake, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is a second. This is a warning. After he told us all these wonderful things about heaven and being with God and no tears, no sorrow, no suffering, no pain, He's just but there's an alternative and you need to be aware, right? Because if you're living like this, you're not getting that. And so as we wrap this up today, I don't ever think God puts these things in scriptures so people can read them and say, oh man, I'm bad. I'm not doing good. God doesn't like me. God puts these things here so you can be warm, so you can change. So if you read, if you read this list today and say, you may have heard these verses today and say, I know that I belong to the Lord. I know I'm going to heaven. And if you know that in your heart of hearts then you need to, you know, you, you cling to that knowledge and you take strength and you take hope in the fact that you belong to the Lord. But if you hear this today and you say, you know what, I'm not I'm not in a good place with the Lord. There's some things on that list I do as a lifestyle. I need to repent of it today. Here's the cool thing. You can repent today. Right. You can be completely forgiven today. You can turn from that sin, turn to God. He will receive you. He will wash you. Here's the cool thing. God won't just forgive you and wash you of your sins because some of those things you guys know that, you know, if you do it habitually, you're like, man, I don't know if I can stop. Here's the cool thing. After you come to the Lord, God will give you strength to do what you can't do, right? There were sins that I was involved in when I was not saved. And if someone was asking me when I was not saved and they said, you got to stop that and come to God, I would have said, I don't have the power to stop that. Right. Alcohol was that sort of thing for me. Uh, if someone would have said in order for you to get saved, you got to stop drinking and come to Christ. I would have said there's no way I can do that. If someone said, man, you got to stop, you know, being with women and come to Christ. I would have said there's no way I'm, I'm doomed. You know, I'm just not going to make it. Right. But here's how it works. Right. I came to Christ because I understood Jesus died for my sins, rose from the grave, and I was going to go to hell without him. And there was no stipulation about what I needed to do to come other than believe and receive him. And I believed and I received him. But you know what happened after I came? The Holy Spirit came to live inside me and I I experienced strength that I had never known. I experienced power that I had not known before. And there was an internal desire that I didn't have. I didn't desire to not drink before I got saved. I didn't desire to be sexually pure before I got saved. But you know what happens when you get born again? God moves in and the Bible says this that he works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God goes to work from the inside out that you want to do and then you're able to do with his help. And so don't worry about what you're doing. Worry about what you need. You need to come to him and have your sins forgiven. And God will begin to work in your life. God will begin to help you do what you can never do without him. So would you guys all pray with me now? Father, we thank you for your word. Jesus, we thank you for your work on the cross. Thank you that you died on the cross and you rose from the grave. And Lord, you've made available to us everlasting life through your son. God, thank you for what we read today. Lord, thank you for the promise of a new heaven and a new earth. The the promise of being with you. God, the promise of a a new condition, no sorrow, no pain, no suffering, no tears, no death. God, thank you for all the things that we can hope in because of what you did for us. And God, I pray for anybody listening that they need to enter into a relationship with you, that they might have the same hope. God, I pray by your spirit, you would draw them and that you would strengthen them, Lord, as they surrender, that they would walk in this relationship with you. So you wanna hear today and it would say, you know what, today for me, today is the day of salvation for me. I wanna surrender my life to the Lord. Amen.
0: We're so glad you've joined us today here on A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Revelation can seem like a long book to work through, but it's all in the attitude you approach it. If you look at it as something amazing and inspiring that God has gifted to you to understand Him better, it helps you see everything with a different lens. Revelation is cool. It's a mashup of all the best elements of a sci-fi movie. But in reality, it will bring an amazing resolution to all that's wrong in the world. Isn't that what we all want? Look at the book of Revelation with appreciation of who God is and that He's the one in control. If you'd like to listen to more teachings in Revelation, go to calvaryinglewood.org. If you're wanting to connect with someone more personally about this ministry, go ahead and call or text us at 310-245-4811. We'd love to encourage you as you're seeking God for wisdom, insight, and understanding. So please pick up that phone and dial or text 310 245 4811. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Our time with you today is about up, but we encourage you to keep reading and studying this fascinating final book of the Bible. We're so grateful you took the time to listen today, and Pastor Bill will be back with more next time in the book of Revelation. Until then. Remember who God has created you to be in this broken and fallen world. Don't lose heart and stay connected to a transforming word.